Here I preach, I'm going to introduce you this morning because sometimes in life it's good to have some heroes and uh, I have some heroes of mine with us this morning. Park, Pastor Mark and Bernie Kelsey walked into uh, C3 Church in 1980 and straight away turned to each other and said, we're home. And uh, since that very day, they have stood by Pastor Phil and Chris. They have built the house of God. They have been unshakable in building his house. They've done that both here in Sydney. They were the first international C3 church plant over in New York, in Long Island. And uh, they've done so many roles. And uh, last year, their new role became the C3 Global Growth Ministers. These guys are champions of the faith. They are faithful and uh, they are heroes of mine. They are incredible people. And Mark, I've got a bit of a preacher crush. He's one of my favorite preachers. So let's get ready right now. Let's introduce Pastor Mark Kelsey. Love you too, mate. Fantastic. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Preacher crush, you know. Well, I think it's mutual, Hartley. And uh, I don't know about you, but I think to me, uh, Hartley and that, you know, I don't want to suggest sort of, you know, you scratch my back, you, I scratch yours, but I'm telling you, without a shadow of a doubt, you guys are legends. And, uh, and, and, and I think secret weapons uh, across this great city. And uh, who loves them, right? In this house, we love you guys. You're amazing. Actually, Nat is preaching at our Penrith campus this morning. So she's a machine. She's a preaching machine. So, hey, guys, you're awesome. Why don't you just lift your hands just as we get into the Word of God. and Just, you know, just open your heart. I'm sure it already is. The worship's been amazing. But just... That sense of God, just being aware of His presence is one of the greatest things, one of the greatest gifts. God is not afar off, He's close. He's your ever-present help in time of need. And we're going to be preaching the Word today, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is already close to you. He's already working on your behalf. He came before you, He's with you, and He's going to follow up behind you. He's not far off, He's, he's not distant God. I'm telling you, His presence right now is surrounding you, your heart, your mind, your emotions, calming you. His yoke and burden is not hard or heavy, it's light and it's wonderful and His peace surrounds you right now. He's going to set you up today for a great week and this week's going to be blessed and the overcoming Spirit of God is going to come upon you and give you strength and power and guidance and wisdom and faith and courage to get through everything this week. Your family will be blessed. Your business will be blessed. The presence of God is all around you right now. Whatever that thing is right now that you're afraid of, that you're thinking through, don't worry about it. God's for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? That thing's all good. It's all good. God is sorting that. In fact, He's working even the bad things. He's turning all things around for good for those that love God. And His presence fills this great house today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give a love. One more hand. You may be seated. God bless. Thanks, guys. Can you give the worship team a huge hand? And uh, it is a, a huge joy to be uh, uh, at our, our Silverwater campus this morning. We don't get here a lot, but every time we do, we look forward to it, driving here with great anticipation. 
it's great that uh, Bernie and I can be able to, a lot of the time, to be together and uh, as we go around preaching. I know I'm not the only preacher. Bernie is, in fact, the better preacher than I am. And, uh, and we're in this new role. We spend a lot of time at, uh, at our regions around the world. We have 12 regions currently uh, and new churches springing up everywhere. And to be honest with you, it's not us making that happen. It's like we're just trusting God, and there are things happening sometimes even we don't even know about. In fact, you know, last week, you know, we got an email. Uh, hey, by the way, we've got two church, new churches in Albania, and then a few weeks before, we've got five new churches in Russia, and we've got, we got churches going on. Like, we're like, awesome. You know, in the old days, it was like, you know, we're what one location this year are we going to really focus on building a church? Now it's happening. Now, on the average, 1.6 new churches a week. Uh, I don't know what the point six is, but uh, that's a really good one, whatever it is. But, uh, but it's great. So good, to be, so good to see you. And uh, this morning, before I start, I thought I, I noticed an Instagram. Uh, of uh, of us coming out and and me and 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 it's talked about the punster, and and the guy's got all the jokes which I don't know there are far funnier people around the world, uh, I'm sure I've met one or two and uh, and and I thought I won't do any puns but I thought I'd just give you one joke is that okay? Right? Because I think I think laughter is the best medicine and it's great and one way to set your year up 2016 is just who believes to have some fun and some laughter, and I'm, I'm really building this up, aren't I? So hopefully it actually is funny. Leon, you reckon it's going to be funny? Oh, thank you, Leon. Now, now I just want to have a disclaimer. This joke, they did a survey a few years ago, and they, and they asked the question, what is the funniest joke ever written? That's a pretty high call, isn't it? And so this is the joke that won that I don't know whether you call it competition or vote or what have you. And the thing is, t- today as I tell this joke, and if it's not funny, it's really not my fault. It's really your fault uh, because the, the public voted on this. So, <laughs> excuse me. So this isn't, this isn't my thing. So anyway, I just thought I'd share it with you. And funny enough, it was actually, I believe, written and first told by Spike Milligan. Who's ever heard of Spike Milligan? Some of you have been, yeah, that's one fan. That's great over there. Okay, so here we go. Two hunters are out in the woods when one of them collapses, he doesn't seem to be breathing and his eyes are glazed. The other man pulls out his cell phone and calls emergency services. He gasps to the operator, my friend is dead. What can I do? The operator, in a calm, soothing voice, replies, take it easy, I can help. First, let's make sure he's dead. There's a silence, then a shot is heard, and back on the phone... <laughs> Back on the phone, the hunter says, okay, now what? (laughs) Yeah, okay, all right. Well, mix a bat love that joke. So if for no other reason, it was worth telling for that. Hey, listen, I know Liam talked about it. There was an amazing wedding yesterday. Don't, whoa. Just making sure you're watching. That's right. <laughs> uh, Doreen and Rose are great friends. Uh, and obviously, I'm not as close to Doreen as you are. And, uh, but it's such a great thing. Was, but I heard the wedding was incredible. And I heard it was like a Lebanese feast. And, and the Middle Easterners know how to do weddings, right? As opposed to us conservative, you know, Western Caucasian people. But I, I, heard, I heard there was a dancing routine. And, and they trained people in dancing, which is awesome. 
Because most weddings you get to, the dance floor is that awkward place that no one ever goes to. But I heard that it was just a, a party time. It was great. And they were teaching, apparently, it was like uh, how, how to change light bulbs. And, uh, and what was this one? And the windscreen wipers, what have you. And uh, who would like to see me do a little bit about East, Middle Eastern dancing? Anyone? No one? Okay, all right, move along. Hey, um, this morning in the, in the time we have together, I thought I'd just share this message out of Luke chapter 15. If you want to turn there right now, and that's, that, that countdown clock is staring me right in the face there, so I've got to, I got to get on with this, get into the Word of God. And uh, Luke 15, and this morning, uh, turn to Luke 15, uh, uh, verse 1. As you're turning there, I'm actually going to read, don't turn there, we're going to read another very short passage of Scripture to set this up. In Luke 19 and verse 10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so it's interesting that this one Scripture, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The, the number one reason, the purpose of Jesus coming was to do one thing, that is to seek us and to save us. And to save lost things. Who's glad that Jesus came and to seek and save, right? And look, we weren't seeking him. He sought us. His presence and his heart and his love and his grace and his power and work on the cross. That was the, the power of heaven coming to earth to seek us and to save the lost. And God loves finding lost things. And we were lost. And if you didn't know Christ, and I didn't know Christ, and I was lost, and he came to, to seek us, and he loves saving lost things. And this great scripture in Luke 15, Jesus begins to talk and unfold, and he tells three stories in a row. And begins to unpackage three parables or three stories about lost things. And he talks about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And in these three stories, we see the incredible heart of God. And, and at the end of each one of those stories, it says heaven rejoices every time a lost person is found because heaven is waiting. Heaven is, heaven's purpose should be the purpose of the church and the purpose of the church should be the purpose of heaven. And heaven and earth and heaven and the church should be rejoicing on the same things. And which is that every time a lost person is found, then all of heaven has a party. Like that Lebanese wedding last uh, yesterday, I think that's what church should be like. Let's not leave it to the weddings. Let's bring the weddings into the house of God, and, uh, which is awesome. And so we see these three stories of lost things. The first one is the story of the lost sheep. And it's the story, really it's a parable. It talks about the shepherd having a hundred sheep, and that shepherd leaving the 99, when one is lost, it leaves the 99 and goes out into the field, be, out beyond the pastures to find that one. It's a picture really of Christ leaving heaven, leaving those things that are secure, and really coming to earth and really searching for us. And it, it, we are that one lost sheep. Every one of us, if it was for no other reason, if we were the only lost person in humanity on the earth, Jesus would have come for our, our lives. How awesome is that? Jesus does not save the masses. He saves the individual. Jesus loves humanity and loves everyone, but he, he would come for you. That's how individual, that's how powerful his individual love for you is. He left heaven to come to earth to die on a cross so that you would be saved, that I would be saved. How awesome is that? Come on, give the Lord a hand for that. That's great news. <clears throat> the third story of the lost 
something that was lost was the lost son. And we, in, the, in your Bible, it may have been called the prodigal son. The prodigal, the word prodigal actually means uh, uh, wasteful and, and, and extravagant. There's a great writer, great theologian, great preacher in America called Tim Keller, and he wrote a book called The Prodigal God. And he said, really, it should be called The Prodigal God because the person who was wasteful was not the, the son. The person who was wasteful, it was God. He was extravagant and wasteful towards us. He gave it all without consideration towards us. He was wasteful of his grace, wasteful and extravagant with his love and grace towards us. So it's really a story about the prodigal God. But not only that, there are two sons in that story. And this is my message. I'm just preempting. I'm just leading into it. Is that okay? Who's with me so far? Four of you. That's awesome. Uh, and so he, it's a story of two sons. And you know the story, or many of you who read the, the Bible know the story of the, 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 the youngest son received his inheritance, asked for his inheritance, and went and spent it and wasted it and on prostitutes and, and crazy living. And after a while, it says he came to, to his right mind and said, what am I doing? This is crazy. I, I've, I've spent everything and I've lived that crazy life thinking that I'll be satisfied with that. But after a little while, I realized, really, that life is back in the house. Life is back with my family. Life is back with God. Life is back with my father. Came to his senses and made a way and made his journey back to the presence of God. And you've, you know the story. And, he's, and, and as he's returning, the father sees him from afar, runs down the driveway and starts to welcome him, and, which is awesome. And he didn't feel worthy. He didn't feel like he deserved to be re-welcomed back into the house of God, back to his father's house. But you know what? That's the picture of the father. None of us are worthy, but the grace of God is greater than that unworthiness. And the heart of the father is to get out of the house and on the driveway and, and clothe us again with a fresh robe, put fresh sandals on our feet, a ring which represents authority. God, God wants to restore his original intent for you. And even though you may have been a lost son or daughter, God says, I don't care if you're willing for your heart to turn around and come back to my house, then I'm going to restore your authority, restore your righteousness. I'm going to restore your purpose and place the glory of God back on your life, which is awesome. But there was another son. The other son was the older son. And it's funny because the older son wasn't even there, wasn't even aware that the younger son was returning. And when the father started a party, just like the wedding yesterday, <laughs> this is a bit of a theme this morning, obviously. And there was a party, it says there was loud dancing and singing, because that's what happens when someone returns to grace and returns to the love of God. The older brother was like, what? And it says as he's heading towards the house, he heard the noise. And in one version it says, what is that noise? He wasn't even familiar with the sound of the party. He wasn't even familiar with the sound of a celebration. He didn't know what it sounded like for someone to return to Christ. And it's a picture not of, of lostness in sin. It's a picture of the lost church. It's the picture of the church, the older brother who have lost sight of what the whole purpose is all about. Who have lost, he failed to embrace, he, fa he failed to celebrate. I reckon the most, I reckon the loudest time in, the, in, a, in a church service should not be the worship, worship time. The loudest time should be the altar call. As the real purpose of the party is, is manifest when lives are returning. And at that point, as we, we should never get tired of that. That is the most amazing thing because at that very moment, heaven is having a party. So therefore, the church should be having a party, which is great. And, and here's the deal. 
Of the other two lost stories, something went out to find the lost thing. This was the only story which no one left because here's the deal. It, is the older, it was not the father's job to go out and find the lost son. It was the older brother's job to go out and find the lost son. And so the older brother should have been the one going out to the pigsty, going out to the lost brother. And him should have been two brothers walking up the driveway, the lost one and the one who went to, to find him. That, and that's the implication of this story. And, and, and it's like, because it's the, it's the father's job to receive, but it's the church's job to rescue. And, and, and it's, that's the deal. And it's our job to rescue. And of course, it's wonderful when the father received, but often the church has lost its purpose. It's our job to leave the house. Because church doesn't end with the church service. Church begins with the church service. And it's our job to go down the driveway, out into the highways and the byways of our community and rescue people and bring them back so that the Father will receive them. We can't receive lost people. It's not our job. We have no power to do that. Only the Father can do that. But I tell you what, we can rescue. We can gather people to the, to the house of God. Come on, who's excited today? Anyway, that's great. However... I said all that to say this. The third story is a story of a lost coin. And that what's unique about this story of the lost coin is that the sheep was lost in the field, the son was lost in the world, but the, the coin was lost in the house. And not only do things get lost in the world, but sometimes people get lost in church. And there's just as much lostness in church as there is in the world. And some people get found and then lost again. Some people get found rediscover the house of God, but after a while in church, something happens and they get lost in church and it's the story and that the analogy that Jesus uses is this, is this woman, the, the coin that she lost wasn't just a bunch of coins she had in a, in a purse. No, these, there were 10 coins that this woman had and they were, these 10 coins were attached to a headpiece. You imagine a headpiece around a woman's head with 10 coins on it and that headpiece was, funnily enough, the, the thing that she brought to her wedding. It was the thing that she prepared for her wedding day. Those 10 coins that, which she would gather over time, the time when she was growing up, she would gather enough coins, 10 precious coins, to then, and she would personally sew each coin to this headpiece. And when her wedding day came, she would wear that wedding piece as a sign of what she brought to her covenant with her, with her new groom. With the, with the, and, and the only thing she brought was those coins. The groom would bring all the wealth. He would pay for the wedding. He would bring, which, which is a sign and symbol of Christ. Christ does everything. All we need to do is bring ourselves and our gifts to the, to the uh, covenant with Christ. But guess what? She lost one, fell on the floor in the, uh, in the house. And so this is a story of people in the house being lost. And it's interesting. I was thinking it through recently. You know, well, what does that mean? How can people get lost in the house? And I've, I came up with four. There may be others, but I've came up with four things and four ways that people get lost in church. Number one, there are people attending church but not knowing God. They've lost connection. So they're, they're attending church, going through the motions of the Christian experience, but, but no connection with God. And after a while, that becomes a drudgery. I can't think of anything worse than, uh, th than that. But God wants you to refine connection with God. So there's passion again and life again. 
That's why Pastor Phil puts on conferences like Presence, so that people's fire and passion and connection with God gets reestablished again. So really encourage you, come along, get registered for Presence. Bring your whole family because we need personal revival so that we don't just become church attenders, but we become on fire with God again every year. There are, the second way is that sometimes there's people in church sitting offended in church, and they've lost their heart for God. They've lost their heart for leadership. They've lost their trust in leadership. And so they have lost heart. People sitting offended. And once you lose heart, once you lose that sense of, 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 of trust and connection with the purpose of God because of some offense that's taken place, and suddenly then you don't, you don't, your, your motivation for ministry, your motivation for the call of God, your motivation to use your gifts is lost. But God wants to remove that offense and cause a reconnection again and, and heal that offense on the inside of your heart. Maybe there's, maybe there's people, I was thinking there's people that have been in church forever. They've been here since Noah. Uh, they've, been, they've been part of the church like, and they sit in the same seat and they're following God and they're, they're in God and the church. But, but what's happened is they've lost purpose. They've lost engagement. No longer are their gifts and their callings engaged anymore. They once served God. They once were a connect leader. They once were a volunteer member. They once were really doing something for God. But after a while, that got a bit boring and that got a bit monotonous. And other people, and it's like, oh, the next generation are taking over. I'm telling you, no, you, you are never too late to re-engage in the purpose of God. It is never too late. 100% of the church alive in connection and engagement with God. Maybe, maybe you ran a connect group 20 years ago, and it was on fire, it was revival, and part, the pastor talked about your connect group and, and got you up and talked about it, but you haven't been talked about for 10 years, and, and, and you're like, oh, I'm tired of that, and life got busy, and I know all the reasons. They're all real and valid reasons, but maybe it's time to re-engage again and to go out, put your hand up again, and I'll tell you what, your heart and serving cannot be disconnected. As we serve, then our heart goes with that. And as much as you're in Christ, you need to be in serving. And those things are connected, and you'll find your heart is rediscovered again as if you're in that category. Or the fourth one is that maybe you're a young person or a next generation person, been raised in church. Your parents brought you to church. You've been here since you're a baby, but you've never discovered your own revelation of Christ. You've just been brought to church. You know what? God has no grandchildren. God only has children. And it's wonderful that your parents brought you to church. And it's wonderful that the discipline and the culture of that is in you. But eventually, you've got to find your own connection with Christ. All of our kids went through that journey. I remember that. Remember each one of them. And each one, each one of those journeys for our three kids was an individual journey where they had to discover their own walk with God. And maybe you're here, maybe your coin has dropped to the ground and you're there at the bottom of this floor going, I want a connection with Christ. I see all that's going on. I watch youth and I watch them watching others have a connection with Christ. But eventually, when each individual youth finds their own connection with Christ, then revival in the next generation begins to break out. And uh, who believes that can happen across the place? That's the deal. But here's, that's, you know, they're the problems. But what was the answer? What did this woman do? The woman Really, the woman and the ten coins represents the church. Isn't it interesting? It wasn't the shepherd. It's the woman. The, the woman is the nurturer. And I believe it's almost like the connect leaders. 
the carers, the pastors, the, the leaders within the church. It's our job to find people who are lost in the church. It's our job to find people and make sure that they're connected with purpose, connected with engagement, connected with Christ, connected with the future that God has for them and, and, and for us to see it. Here's the deal. It's interesting that it wasn't one in 100, it was one in 10. Sounds like about the size of a connect group, doesn't it? That, that when there is only 10, it's easy to find the one. And, and, if, and if you're in a connect group, then you can be more easily found if your engagement drops to the floor. And if you, so if I encourage you, if you're not part of a smaller group, then get part of one. Because if you start to wander a little bit, someone will recognize that you're not doing so well. And then re-engage and reconnect and get you back into the purpose of God. So that's the response of the believer. But what's the response of us as leaders and people and people who have been around a long time is the lady, the woman. She did three things. She lit a lamp. She swept the floor. And she searched until... Three powerful things. I believe in my heart, this is one of the most important messages I'll ever preach in my whole life. Because I believe the future of the church partly is in the world in terms of people haven't come, but the future of the church is what is already in the church. It's, it's the people that are already there who have lost connection and lost purpose and, lo- and have fallen on the floor and are there just hidden amongst the activity of church life, but God, the future of what God wants to do in the city is in this room right now. The future of the west of Sydney is sitting in this campus right now. And it, maybe it's your life that, that, that a great new 26 and a great new year is about to be formed. And it isn't you just watching and attending and observing. No, it's you engaging and getting off the floor and being reattached to the covenant of God again, being reattached to that headband where you're part of the purpose of God in the earth. And so she did three things. She lit a lamp. I love it. Everybody say, light a lamp. (laughs) And lighting a lamp can mean all sorts of things. You know, uh, oil, there was... Back then, the lamps were filled with oil. And I believe as we get the, as believers, as we get the anointing on us, we begin to see people. We, the, the anointing causes us to see people. The second thing is that it's the, the recovery of the Word of God in our lives. And I've discovered this, that when the Word of God gets in back into my life as someone who's engaged in Christ, you know what happens? My perspective of people changes. Suddenly I begin to realize that people are more important than my practices. And, as I, and, as, and when, the, when the Word of God gets into me, then, then my perspective of people, my, my, my view of people, my people become seeable, which is awesome. Because at the end of the day, it's all about people. And then, of course, lighting a lamp also means that your, your light is shining. That when you've got a lamp lit on the inside of you, your, your light is shining and you become an example to other people. And maybe that alone is causing people to get off the floor and go, man, that life is so inspiring, I'm going to follow that life. So we need to be lit at all sorts of levels. You know, when we first joined the church, uh, as Hartley said, 36 years ago, unbelievable. Bernie was two, I was 56. Uh, now we were a young married couple, married six months, walked into this church. Had no idea what God was going to do in that church or in us. Because here's the deal. Your purpose and your destiny are connected with the house of God. In the kingdom, you discover eternity, but in the house, you discover destiny. And so, so we walked into the church already believers, but we weren't connected believers. And there's a massive difference. And you know what? Pastor Phil and Chris, we walked in. 
the whole backstory to it, you've, most of you already heard, but we walked in a few minutes late, and Pastor Chris was leading worship at the front. And you know, we said to each other, we found home, which is great. But there was another response of the leaders. And remember, there's only 20 people in the church. So it wasn't like we weren't that hard to see. But even still, Pastor Phil and Chris saw us. Straight after the service, Pastor Chris came up to us and invited us around their place for dinner. Because getting people off the floor, getting those coins off the floor, is really just about purely about connection. And it isn't like, oh, come back next week, we'll see you in church. No, it's all the stuff that happens during the week. And they invited us around for dinner, which is great. We went around there, and they, Pastor Chris put on this massive lamb roast, as Kiwis are able to do better than anybody in the world. We didn't tell her that we were vegetarians at the time. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we were vegetarians. And that was the last vegetarian uh, uh, day we ever had in our lives, you know. <laughs> I think if you're going to break your vegetarian uh, uh, delusion, then do it with a New Zealand lamb roast, you know. So they found out about two years later, and Pastor Chris was horrified, but, uh, but not really. Anyway, and at the end of the meal, at the end of the meal, uh, all these people started coming into the house, knocking on the door, coming, we thought, oh, they've invited someone around for like dessert or something. And we found out later that it was connect group night. And there was a trick, really. It was, but it was awesome. And so, so not only did they invite us into friendship, they invited us into fellowship. And, and fellowship gets you off that floor. And, and suddenly we're in this rhythm now. And then so every Wednesday night, we went to connect group. And that connect group really... That connect group really began to grow and happen, which is awesome. Like, it, was the, it was the only connect group in the whole church. The church was so small, there was only need for one connect group. But it really began to grow crazy. I mean, so, so huge. Sometimes we'd open the fridge, there were about five people in the fridge, you know. <laughs> but like, you know, just trying to, trying to fit everybody in, frozen, chosen, you know, whatever. And, um, but, but then Pastor Phil and Chris, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that. They, they started to see us in other realms and get us to do things and got me to lead some mid, we had used to have a midweek meeting back in the first 12 months of the church and got me to, Pastor one day said, can you lead worship on Wednesday night? And I'm like, are you talking to me? <laughs> You're crazy? Like, he said, yeah, you lead worship. I said, I've never, he said, just, just do it, you'll be fine. I did it. It was the worst meeting in, in Christian history. <laughs> True story. It was so bad. I said to Pastor Phil afterwards, that was Pretty bad. He goes, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> At least we agreed, you know, like. And I said, please don't ever get me to do that again, Kathy. And he said, you're on next week. <laughs> and I said, don't do that to me. But I did because I was, he just shamed me into it. He said, you're on next week. So I did next week. And it was the second worst meeting <laughs> in Christian history. But I was slightly better than the week before. Because seeing people isn't just about fellowshipping or connecting with them or loving them. It's about seeing them and seeing the gifts and the talents. Our leaders saw something in us that we certainly didn't see in ourselves. And we are now overseeing regions and churches and thousands of leaders. It was only a mother in the form of Phil and Chris, if you can hear my words. It's the nurturing heart that sees people. And Dutch doesn't see their, their current, it sees their future. And because there are future gifts, future talents, future callings, future influences that are currently lying on the floor of our church. 
that it only can take just somebody to get them off that floor. And that because coins can't get off the floor by themselves. They can't just jump up, you know, like like doing into the purpose of God. No, someone's gotta pick them up and place them and sew them back into the purpose of God. You know, Pastor Phil asked Bernie and I to run the drama group. Like, I'm like, you asked me to do what? That is so not me. Public speaking was my greatest fear. How crazy is that? Now I do it for a living. But I still do it afraid. And, and, and then run a drama group. That is so not me. I'm so not dramatic. And, and, and so, anyway, I thought, okay, you asked me to do this. So we got a team together. We got all these books that Google didn't exist. Uh, got the, the internet didn't exist. Mobile phones didn't exist. Nothing really existed. <laughs> That's probably why we had so much fun. And, and I got all these skits. And we started rehearsing all these skits. And then, and then Pastor came up to me one day and said, on uh, next uh, week, we're, having, we're renting Bilgola Surf Club. And we're going to have an outreach at Bogol Surf Club. Now, six years earlier, myself and a few schoolmates started Bogola Board Riders in 1974. And I'm like, no, of all places, do not do it at Bogola Surf Club. Because I knew all my old surfing mates would be there. Sure enough, we had this outreach. And at the back row, about 10 of my old surfing mates were there with their arms folded. I'm like, no, this can't be happening, you know, what have you. And so, uh, anyway, the skit that we put together was called The Burden. I had to walk up this, I had this sack, and I walked up the middle aisle crying out, my burden, my burden, can someone take my burden? And, and then this Christ-like character took the burden off my life, and I started jumping around. It was the corniest skit ever, you know, it was terrible. But a whole bunch of people got saved, which is good. None of my surfing friends. But at that point, Pastor Phil said, I recognize there was a preacher in you. And that was when he started to release me in other things, whatever. I tell you, God, God has things for you. And the journey to you getting off the floor and into the purpose of God can be pretty crazy sometimes. God will stretch you and enlarge you. And your journey will be different to my journey. It will be different to the person next to you. The second thing this lady did, she swept the floor. And I'm thinking, as I was reading this originally, I'm like, how hard can it be to find a coin? The houses are pretty small. I found out as I began to do some study that the floors were covered in 10 to 15 centimeters of straw because the straw kept the, the floors clean and dry to absorb all the moisture. So when this coin fell on the floor, it didn't just fall onto some concrete or earthen floor. It fell in the hay. So she had to not just sweep the floor. She had to clear the whole floor of all the hay. And that represents leadership, clearing the floor of the church. Hay represents religious superfluousness, religious activity. Wood, hay, and stubble are the, are the works of man. And, and silver, gold, and precious stones are the works inspired by God. When, when, when as in churches, we get, start to do things that really have nothing, and it's just religious activity, people's lives get, fall in the midst of that and get lost. We need to clear the church of activity that means nothing and reestablish the church in the purposes of God so that the glory of God, so that coins, what happens is, what happens is, if you clear the church of activity that means nothing, all these coins, these people's lives are sparkling, sitting on the floor going, kick it to me, kick it to me, use me, use me. 
That's what they're waiting for. And then you go, wow, I never saw that before because religious activity blinds us to people. And we begin to pick those coins up and sow them back onto the covenant relationship with God. Suddenly the church begins to get alive again. It isn't, it isn't alive because we preach vision all the time. That's awesome. But if you have vision and disengage people, then you actually have a greater gap between the, the pews and the pulpit. We need to connect the pews and the pulpit into one great purpose of God, all moving together with one heart, one spirit, one mind together in the glory of God. And the last thing she did, and I'll finish on this, is she searched until. I love that. She searched until. That's, that's a desperation. That's leaders who don't give up on people. That's people in the church who, who, who are looking for that one in 10 that's lost, but don't go, oh, I had a bit of a search, or I had a bit of a try, or I helped them out. No, it's search until. You know, search until. There was 10 coins and one lost. Nine. Nine is the number of the efforts of man. And 10 is the number of completeness. The purpose of God is not complete without you. The purpose of God is not complete without you. You are not superfluous. You are not marginal to the things of God. You are not of no consequence. It's great that you've been received with grace, but now your gift is part of the future of God. You, you, you are important. Not just as an individual, as a person received by grace, but who, what you bring, what you bring to the purpose of God. There's something of the purpose of God that is missing until you're reattached. And that perfects, as, as each one, as each part does its work, Ephesians chapter 4, as each part, sorry, 2, as each part does its work, the, the growth of the body, the body will grow, it cause itself to grow in love. And the life of God, the purpose of God, this part of Sydney is going to explode with growth. Not because great vision is being preached, no, because as great vision is being preached, your gifting is beginning to respond to that vision. And those two things collide. And the power of God begins to spread. And through this congregation, hundreds of connect groups and giftings and callings and volunteers and persons purpose and life and the power of God begins to engage and the life of God begins to reach into the cities and communities of this great town. Isn't it awesome what God is about to do in this place? So as we finish, you know, depending on where, where you fit, maybe one of those stories, maybe one of those lost things applies to you. Maybe you've come this morning as a visitor and, and thinking, you know what, I, I feel like one of those lost sheep. I feel like I've never been found. Well, I, I want to tell you this morning, you're here, and Jesus brought you here so He can just find you and bring you back into the fold of God. Maybe you feel like that lost son who's gone out there living a hard life or a lost daughter, and, and, and you're thinking, I don't know whether I'm welcome here. I'll tell you, the Father is here with open arms going, welcome into the house of God. You, 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 you don't come changed. Don't feel like you've got to change yourself to come. No, just come as you are because you're accepted as you are. You're included in the grace of God. You're included in the acceptance of God. Or maybe, maybe you're sitting here this morning going, well, I don't know whether I'm in, whether I'm out, whether I'm included, whether, I, whether I'm part. Of, I don't know whether I have eternity in my life. I don't know whether the glory of God is part of my future. I don't know if I was to die today, I'd go to the presence of God. I'm telling you, God wants to remove all lack of assurance and give you the total assurance that God is with you, God is for you, God has accepted you, and the presence of God is on you. So if we just close our eyes right now, Just let God touch you. 
If you're a visitor and you're, something's beginning to stir up on the inside of you, maybe, maybe you're not a visitor, maybe you've been part of the church for ages, but you, you've lost connection with Christ. I'm talking about a, you've lost a genuine, real, saving grace connection with God. Whatever you are, wherever you've come from, if you don't know 100% sure that you have Christ, that you have total forgiveness, and that His grace has washed and cleansed you, and you're on your way to eternity. If you don't know that for sure, just with every eye closed, every head bowed, just slip your hand up, say, Mark, that's me. Pray for me, that I would have Christ, that I would have acceptance, that I would know God in Jesus' name. If that's you, just slip your hand up as we finish this service right now. I'm just gonna wait a moment, because I know sometimes it takes time for people's hearts to respond. If that's you, say, you know what? I wanna know God. I never knew I was that accepted in God. I thought I had to earn my way back. I thought I had to become this religion or that religion. I'm telling you, none of those things apply. If you just turn your heart to God and say, God, will you receive me? He says, yes, I receive you. If that's you, if you need receiving by God, love by God, gracious acceptance by God, just slip your hand up right now and we're gonna pray for your life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just gonna wait another 30 seconds. I believe there's some people here this morning that applies to. If you don't know God, if you want to come back to Christ, or if you want to make sure that you have Christ in your world, just slip your hand up. And we're going to pray for you and ask God to bless your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, that's awesome. If you, if you feel like that was you and you at that moment couldn't respond after the service, why don't you come to the front and ask, there'll be leaders and pastors here, ask them to pray with you. Can we stand to our feet before I hand it back to Pastor Hartley? And just the next 30 seconds or so, I would like to pray prayer and maybe to get all of us at some level re-engaged in that purpose of God to maybe you feel like you're a lost coin, maybe Maybe you've been around for a long time and you want to get re-engaged in purpose. Maybe you're offended. Or maybe you're a young person and doesn't know Christ. Maybe, maybe you've been sitting here all these years and not really having a personal connection with God. Whatever it is, why don't all of us just lift our hands before God. Thank you, Jesus. And just begin to cry out to God. Say, God, God, place me again. Get my coin and ta- reattach me to the purpose of God. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for this great congregation here at Silverwater. God in heaven, there wouldn't be one lost coin on the floor of religious activity in this house. But every single one of us, Father, would be reattached to your purpose that 2016 would be a year of total engagement of our giftings and our callings and our heart and our purpose to the building of your house across the city in Jesus' name. God in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Whatever the reason is that may have detached us, God, we put that reason aside. God, we pray, God, help us that we would rediscover. God in heaven, I know that there are connect leaders, future connect leaders in this house. Maybe it's time for you to put your hand up and say, you know what, I'm gonna be a connect leader. I'm gonna go to college part-time or full-time. I'm gonna get engaged and ask God to touch my life. You watch what God begins to do. A powerful miracle of His purpose begins to be affected in your life in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody said. Amen. Can we give the Lord a huge hand right now? God bless you, God. Fantastic. Thank you, Mark. Brilliant, brilliant.
How exciting is it to know that God wants to use us, our lives, for his purposes? What a tremendous uh, message. Can we thank Pastor Mark? Outstanding. Absolutely wonderful. Fantastic. Hey, let's sing a song before we uh, end the service. In your glory, oh Holy Spirit.